And we're live. And we're live. Welcome to Slate Golf Shop. I'm Ace Knight. And of course, with me tonight is my co-host with the mostest, Techie Joe. How are you, darling? Doing pretty good. Sorry we're running a little late, guys. He had an update, and then we got, while that was running, debating Angela Lansbury's career, and it was funny. Yeah. Um, and then we're like, oh, crap. We got to, like, do this. No, it, <laughs> like, wasn't, it wasn't all crap. It was, um, we better, re like, start the show before we do the show and forget to start the show. You know, it's yeah. a thing. No, it, but no, 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 it, I meant it was crappy that we were forgetting to like start the show. Um, it was like, oh crap, we got to do that. Yeah. Like we're having the show without actually, you know, broadcasting. It's it. Yeah. That's yeah. bad. It's very bad, but no, um, I'm, I'm not sure who, but at least four of my friends have started sharing bombshell pictures of Betty White. Mm hmm. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and Jay, please. Well, and that's when I kicked in and wait until they learn about Angela Lansbury pre-murder she wrote. That'll be a trip. Well, pre-bed knobs and broomsticks. Hmm. True point, true point. It's like, yeah, yeah, go back and watch her in uh, uh, Cat on a Hot Tin Roof. It's like, I don't know how they sold her to Disney after that. <laughs> like, I just cannot imagine being her agent trying to sell her to Disney for, for a role after Cat on a Hot Tin Roof. Like, because that was a pretty, like, whoo, role that she played there. Right. But, you know, we think of our older stars now as they look to be, as they've looked to be for 20 years. Well, yeah. Well, and more importantly, the roles they've played and the personalities that, that because all stars end up getting kind of pigeonholed um, or typecast. Um, <laughs> and Brenda was like, one of them was me. <laughs> and she was like, yeah, Betty White used to be, not that Betty White isn't still very uh, a very attractive woman, but she was a little blonde bombshell back in the day. One of them. One of them. Yeah. yeah. Well, and Barry. Well, right, but that—that's what I mean. Is there was a, a group, and Angela Lansbury was one. Betty White was one of the others, and I forget who the third one was. Um, Olivia De Havilland. Pardon? Olivia De Havilland. De Havilland. There we go. <laughs> um, was that the third one? Uh-huh. Okay. All three had, like, like they had very odd careers there for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, like, they, they kept getting pushed to the back and given, like, some really wild roles um, that weren't always the best for their careers. Uh-huh. Um, and then all of a sudden, everything kind of popped. Yeah. Um, you know, Angela Lansbury's career took off, Betty White's career took off, and Olivia de Havilland basically retired. <laughs> uh, she took roles out of the United States. I mean, she yeah, had four seriously. different careers. Mm -hmm. You know, she had the mid-30, 40, 40s U.S. career. She had the European market as soon as she was, you know, sued and got out of contract. Mm-hmm. 
um, in Europe. Um, <laughs> oh God, Brenda Bryan uh, was talking about seeing Charlton Heston in a in a loincloth as a Native American. Um, uh, and the fact that he was built and her, uh, her mom laughed at her because, she, uh, she didn't recognize who he was. Yeah, there's, there's some, <laughs> yeah. there are, if you guys want some nice, nice quality movies, mm -hmm. go check out AMC, watch some of the old ones. They used to get away with some shit. Well, you, you got to realize where in the Hayes Code, Hayes Code periods you were, and then also where in some actors' careers you are. Mm -hmm. um, because there's some movies in, in that are kind of odd for an actor mm -hmm. uh, or an actress. Yeah. Um, actresses especially. Like, actors tend to not have this problem. Like, ma men in uh, film do not have this problem. Um, you know, they can play like Ward Cleaver in one, you know, like that kind of role in one movie and, you know, be a wife beater in the next one and no one cares. Uh -huh. Um, but typically, and, you know, kind of Betty Davis's career, um, was a big part of that was that, you know, she got typecast for a very long time, uh -huh. um, mostly because she would take the roles. But also because, you know, she had taken the roles right. of, you know, being drunks and drug addicts and, you know, these horrible, trashy women. And she played a lot of them. Right. Um, but then she also played um, Elizabeth, Queen of Essex. So, right. you know. <laughs> well, and what I found more interesting is she basically started doing her own makeup. Like she told the the movie studios, take that crap and get out of here. Mm-hmm. Well, and Brenda Bryant makes a quick and hi to Minnie Mott. Uh, or more importantly, hi to the Minnie Mott's mom, Emily. Um oh, he's off at the Oh, she's getting a water tank. Awesome. That is great. Um, but no, Brenda brings up the point that a lot of old silent films had a lot of nudity way back. Yes, oh, yeah. they did, pre-Hays Code. Yeah. That was, like, it's not just silent films. There's some films in the early, early 30s. Mm -hmm. um, they're the whole reason that we ended up with the Hays Code is because the films were getting more and more explicit. Mm -hmm. um, and they were pushing the, the line a little bit further um, mm -hmm. and dealing with topics that, mainstream society was starting to go, mm -hmm. I don't know that that's a good thing. Um, especially, you know, that, that whole moral majority, um, Southern Baptists specifically, right. um, were really appreciative of, mm -hmm. um, because they were against the, like the church's teachings. Right. They were making mainstream things that they thought shouldn't be. Well, not um, only that, but that's during the same time that we started seeing things that are in large debate now mm -hmm. becoming part of our world. Okay. Like, In God We Trust being printed on everything. Mm -hmm. 
1954. Um, One Nation Under God was 1952. Mm-hmm. I mean, people act like this was like 1700s, 1800s. No, it wasn't. Mm-hmm. Um, and we see a lot of that causing debate today. Mm-hmm. Well, and but then the Hayes Code kind of did some interesting things because then there became um, Grindhouse Theater. Mm-hmm. Like it, it's this weird thing that happened. Um, public health films and Grindhouse, uh-huh. um, in which basically these were unrated movies being shown and passed around local theaters, right? Um, that had never been reviewed, had not had, like low production quality, mm-hmm. um, as well as a lot of screenings of really old film or like right. pre Hayes Code films. Right. Um, back in theater. So yeah, there, there's a whole, like there's whole documentaries. Um, American Grindhouse is actually one that explains what all happened mm-hmm. in some of the early uh, Hayes Code years all the way into, I believe, the 60s. Right. Um, before well, we moved out you know, of like full Hayes Code enforcement. Yeah, and we have still haven't talked about the blonde bombshell herself. Well, yes, Betty White. No. No, the blonde bombshell. Uh-huh. Mae West. Oh, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. She's gave me some of my best lines. And she also had some of the worst time with Hayes Code. Oh, yeah. She she pushed that line. She broke that line. Um, That was part of, like, her history is a lot of the things got through because in script, uh-huh. she was very playful with her wording because, side note, she wrote a lot of her own dialogue. Yeah. Um, built around what she thought she could communicate on film uh-huh. despite what she was saying. Uh-huh. If the line doesn't sound that bad. Mm-hmm. But then when she says it, it uh-huh. comes out very different. Um, you know, yeah. that, that there's a whole lot more to that line. Uh-huh. <laughs> a whole lot more to that line. Sure. But, you know, everyone gives a little teller the credit for diamonds. No, Mae West is the credit for diamonds. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. Well, because she wore a lot. Oh, she did. She invested yeah. in how, but she's one of the smarter actresses mm-hmm. that our current actresses should be paying attention to. She bought diamonds. She brought real estate. She owned half of Hollywood at one time. Well, she invested heavily. She also spent a lot of time um, moving her career into the production scene. Yeah. Um, so that she was not just the actress in the movie, she was also getting production credit. Mm-hmm. So she was getting a lot more ownership into the film she was part of. Right. And she so, also, you know, gave us Cary Grant. There we go. You know, she looked out of um, WB. Um, Warner Brothers' office and said, if that man can act, I'll take him. And see, <laughs> kissing all the men that, you know, Warner Brothers had under contract. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, you know. 
she she did a lot of great roles and uh, you know probably yeah, a launched a lot of careers but she was also in an odd point of film history uh-huh like i i think she could have had a lot like i think 20 years later like if her career had been shoved 20 years later uh-huh. i think she would have probably kept a lot of big stars from being big names oh i think she would have gotten rid of a lot of people that she later said they don't know the business they can't act mm-hmm like I, I think she would have given. I like. I think she would have probably killed Joan Crawford's career. Oh, I think she would have like, terminated her. Like twenty years later, like Mae West's career shoved twenty years. Mm-hmm. I think would have killed Joan Crawford. I think she would have been getting the roles that John Joan Crawford got. Like I. Don't think there would have been many the left for Joan Crawford. Mm-hmm. But yes, hello Devon and hello Mika. Oh goodness. But yes. How do you look more? Yeah, very good. Hmm. Um. Oh, there's another one that is very good. If you can get, if you can find any of her stuff. She was one of the few that went from silent to talkies. Yeah. Well, and talking about current actresses that are a lot more than just, you know, on film. Um, one second, I got to pull her name because I never can remember it. Um, thankfully, I know what she's in. Um, da, 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 da. Takes me just a second. Oh, come on. Where is she? Ah, cast. Um, oh my goodness. Um, and that's why I can never get her name right. Um, Maya Balik, I believe is how you say her name. She is from Big Bang Theory. Uh-huh. She plays Amy Farrah Fowler. Uh-huh. She's been all over. Well, but more importantly... She she actually has a PhD. Uh-huh. She she is a scientist. She is a neuro uh she in the field of neuroscience. Yeah. Like she's not just playing a nerdy role really convincingly. Uh-huh. Like this is a day at the office. Uh-huh. <laughs> but there's a camera and crew. Yeah, it it's you yeah, know, it was one of those moments that I think a lot of people are like, "Wait, what? Mm-hmm. Did you what? <laughs> what do you mean? Like you hired a neuroscientist to literally go play a a, a neuro, You know. <laughs> right. Well, and this is what I really do not see a lot in stars, and they need to. Mm-hmm. Um expand out you know they they get you know nine million dollars for a role Mm -hmm. and never buy into it how do you mean like as in the like you like they make their money yeah they spend their money okay 
Sorry, I thought you were going a different way with that. Is right. that because now we've seen some actors get really highly paid, or and act, well, actors and actresses get really highly paid for roles mm-hmm. that were garbage in and of themselves. Like the the role was garbage, or the actor never really like they did it, and then it became successful. Mm-hmm. Like the the film became a hit, and then they were like yeah, I don't want to be associated with this for the rest of my career. Right. Like, go away. Glad you saw the movie. Glad I made my money. Now go away. Don't ever bring it up again. Right. Yeah. What happens is they make their money. They get their Mm -hmm. money. They spend their money. They don't pay their taxes. They don't have anything to show for it. Like, the studio owns the car. They own the house. And once they're off the studio... Mm-hmm. They're screwed. We see it in music career all the time. I mean, we look at, and then we look at some of the older ones. Dolly. Dolly is a billionaire. Mm-hmm. She may not act like it, but she's a billionaire. I would say if you combined all of her assets together, yes. Like, yeah. I don't think she would necessarily be able to write that check. Oh, I think she would be able to. I mean, without liquidating some things. Um, but I would say total assets. Mm-hmm. Then, yeah, if you liquidated a bunch of stuff, yeah, most definitely. All right. Most definitely. Oh, and you're going to go search and find. Yeah. <laughs> Her net asset worth is currently five hundred million. That's her net assets alone. Okay, then maybe not quite as close to a billion as we thought, because if her net assets are uh-huh. five hundred million, uh huh, then yeah, like the granted, some of those are going to be estimated values. Well, like you may get a lot more values, and we're not talking about anything that she is putting her husband's name and her niece's and nephew's name. Mm-hmm. You know, you know, she's a smart woman. Yeah. You know, 500 million is her net commonly thought of net worth. That's not counting everything else she has. Okay. That's scary. Yeah. Yeah. However, she is making news. Okay. For her 75th birthday, mm-hmm. she is 74 years old. Um, she is in talks with posing for Playboy. Well, there you go. There is a moment. Uh-huh. A very big moment, because they've wanted her forever. Mm-hmm. Wait, I thought she did. I don't think so. Yeah, I'm pretty sure she did. Because I thought that was part... uh, Yes, she did. Okay. Or I believe she did. Um, Oh, no. Maybe she didn't. Um, 1978. 32 years old. Okay. Yes, she did. Yeah. Yes, she did. Now, she didn't... Well, okay... 
Pose for Playboy versus I don't think she quite like did the full centerfold. Right. She didn't go that route. Yeah, I think that uh, that's what her current talks are is to do the centerfold. Yeah, she she put on the the Playboy uniform. Uh-huh. Um but no, I don't think she kind of no, she I don't think she did. She did not go full on like what you would associate with that. Right. Yeah. But no, I remember that being a controversial part of her career. Mhm. So, yeah. Yeah. Um but Again, she's made her money. She owns her money. She makes her money off of people. Mm-hmm. You know, I Will Always Love You by Whitney Houston. Guess who collects that check? Oh, yeah. And hello, Mary, if we didn't say it already. Um, sorry, I got a little sidetracked. He was talking about Dolly Parton and Playboy, and I was like, no, 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 no. I remember that one. Uh-huh. <laughs> like brain fried somewhere. It's in there. Yeah. Um, but, yeah. Um, but you know, it's interesting watching the watching these young stars not get this. How do you mean? Well, like the glamour vampires, they're they're already broke. Well, that has been a problem throughout um like fame in general. Like, I don't know how else to put it than to just call it the fame category, the celebrity category. Mm-hmm. Um, is, is, you know, whether you're talking about professional athletes or, you know, um, actors and actresses or pop, you know, you know music singers, um, uh, anyone involved with a moment of fame that brings a lot of money there can be a lot of financial difficulties out of that right. um, because it, it, it typically brings out all the worst people that could possibly get anywhere near them because uh-huh. money does that. Right. Um, two, it also makes it really hard to figure out who to trust uh-huh. um, because you have a lot going on there. Uh-huh. Um, then there's just the, you know, corrupting influence of managing that much money. That mm-hmm. even if you do everything the way you should, right. um, all it can ultimately take is a one person having access to that. Right. It's just the wrong person. Mm-hmm. Um, like it, it can be a significant issue. Um, and it's not, and that's not just a celebrity one. That can even happen just to wealthy individuals. Uh is if, you know, they end up reliant on someone else to write the checks. Right. um, Sometimes you can end up doing all the things you should, Uh but still just encountering someone who gets too tempted by the money. Well. Celebutards. (laughs) Exactly. They're celebutards. Oh, did I mess up? Huh? Oh, oh, we may have a moment here. Okay. Okay, would... Because, mm, sorry, if you look back at comment... Um, uh-huh. I don't know. 
I don't know. Okay, because there was a comment about Penthouse, and I was confused. Yeah, they're two different magazines, honey. What did I say? Did I say Penthouse by mistake? No. Okay. Then I got lost somewhere in the conversation. Okay. Uh, there is a possibility she she was kind of pushed into the uh, Playboy uh, pose. And that's possible. I mean, you know, careers got made in different ways back then. It's sort right. of like the celebrity sex tape of the 90s and early 2000s. Like, everyone had a stupid sex tape release. Mm -hmm. And now we're starting to see them Oh, Mary's saying that she posts for Penthouse. Okay, so I did say Playboy October 78, and I'm looking at the cover that's for Playboy, and it's 1978. Hmm, okay. Okay, May, we'll figure out what we got wrong here, because, right. I mean... But... No, I think that, you know, a lot of our young stars, we're going to start seeing them having major trouble because, you know, some of our young stars are now moving out of it. Okay. Oh, I... No, Mary was apparently not saying penthouse. Okay. Okay. Like, they are two very different styles. Yeah. And I get that. And, well, okay, I think I see what she's saying. That Okay. And that may be my fault. Um, sorry, you have two guy, uh, gay guys talking about, you know, straight <laughs> porn. Uh, <laughs> just with a grain of salt there. Yeah. <laughs> I am assuming <laughs> that, um, yes. Dolly was a was a symbol, and especially nine to five, she very much played that kind of, you know. Pen, okay, she was making the point that penthouse is more explicit, right? Um, and that's true. Um, what I was understanding though, of the Playboy spread is that while it's not as like, hello, explicit. Um, it does typically feature more nudity than what she actually posed for. Right. That there's a difference between posing for Playboy and posing for Playboy. Right. That she didn't bear, so to speak, everything that she stayed quite covered in even Playboy terms. Mm-hmm. Let me see if something else came out during that time. Nope, that was in the 82. Four yeah, years And later. that's literally about her penthouse. Already went there. Yeah. Now, I was looking at Little, uh, Little Whorehouse in Texas to see if it came out at the same time um, because I remember her co-star yeah. of her chest dude. Um, 
Well, here, let, let, let me do a comparison this way and make sure we clear this up. Um, so, so taking the conversation kind of as we were having uh, with what Mary was adding um, is effectively what, what Dolly Parton posed for would be considered burlesque. Right. What Playboy typically does is more like a nude beat. Mm -hmm. and what penthouse would typically do is a little bit more like lap dance just as like an arc there right but uh, what i was checking to see is if it wasn't a full press thing um for you know her to do playboy him to do um playgirl uh, yeah playgirl mm -hmm. uh and we were right. You were right, Mary. Burt Reynolds. Yeah, and she like that's kind of where she's at. Uh, at is like Gypsy Rose Lee. Mm -hmm. And that's what I was. That's kind of where I was at. Is like she posed for a Playboy, and I'm putting air quotes around that because mm -hmm. it's not quite the same as what you would typically take that as. Right. Is it, a lot more covered than normal. Exactly. Um, so, yes. Yeah. But I was checking to see if it was press done. But no, that's four years after the movie was released, and they had already made their $62 billion off of it. Mm hmm. And Hustler is more like a peep show. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, dear. Yeah, but they're falling into favor and out of favor. But now, and here's an example, and you brought up sex types of the 90s. Well, you wouldn't have had to endure the Kardashians, which is, thank God's ending, um, if there wasn't for a freaking sex tape in the 90s. Well, yeah, and then uh, Chris, um, hello, Chris, um, is pointing out that what Dolly did in her younger years was risque and she could do it because she was stunning, but these days it's absolutely nothing and it's everyday tame. And yes, that and that's the point we're making is then the next phase of that came the sex tape. Mm -hmm. Is like there in the 90s, we had the sex tapes. It was all about the leaked sex, the sex tape. Mm -hmm. Which, I mean... Like, okay, one or two, we were all kind of like, oh, my God. Mm -hmm. You know, that's just horrible. How dare someone do that to to someone? Mm -hmm. And then it got a little more like, you know, these are happening a lot. Like, one, what the hell? <laughs> like, some of these feel less leaked than, like, mass distributed. Yeah. Um, you know, like, hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, sorry, I'm just reflecting back on Joan Rivers' take on the sex tape. Do I now? Joan Rivers' take on the sex tape. Okay. Yeah, it was a full comedic bit of hers about having a leaked sex tape, and <laughs> SNL finally done it with her. It was hilarious. That's <laughs> another one that was a mogul in her time. She built two empires. Absolutely. Well. Yeah. But then kind of flipping around, then we turn into the 2010s, and now it's the uh, sexting scandals, 
or the uh, photos on people's phones or in their iCloud accounts being leaked after the one big data breach that actually did occur. Um, so yeah, it, it's kind of, I don't know where we go after this, mm -hmm. you know, like, like how, like, the, I, I don't know what, what is next on that. Like, I think that's been pushed thankfully as far as it can go. Um, I think we've got a few more years of celebrity, you know, iPhone hacking mm -hmm. air quotes again. Um, but yeah. <laughs> oh my, that's a comment. Uh, but yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, and Emily brings up the point about the, the, and it's the same thing to some degree today is being able to retain a bit of modesty and play the victim and still getting the fame advantage right. is that it, it will, you know, put your name on everyone's lips. Mm -hmm. um, and that it does. Um, though any more, I don't know that it's really happened all that well. Wow. Be, and I think some of that is because we live, uh, like those of us that live through the celebrity sex tape scandals, um, are just kind of like, can we just stop? Well, like, can we just stop? Like, fine, whatever, you know, just, eh. Yeah. Like, uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it's like plastic surgery is no longer a big deal. Everyone gets it. Um, mm -hmm. And other things within that fandom or within that career, it's kind of like doctors. You expect them to look nice. If they don't look nice, if your doctor comes in looking like you just rolled out of a bar, you ain't putting up with it. Or a lawyer that you know doesn't wear a suit. Eh, I don't know. I don't know. I like. I think it may take me a moment. If someone like there are big conversations about dressing for the position you have mm -hmm. or the bigger conversation about dress for the position you want mm -hmm. uh, or the job that you want. Right. Um, but I've also seen moments in mm -hmm. which sometimes what you inadvertently create are very uncomfortable people. Right. Um, who end up being like disliking their jobs more mm -hmm. um, and being worse at them because they're getting stuck in a position of having to dress in ways that are very uncomfortable and don't actually do anything mm -hmm. um, to help them professionally. Right. Um, like at this point, I'm much happier to have my doctor come in, you know, wearing scrubs right. or just, you know, jeans and a, like a t-shirt. Like I'll take that. Right. Like throw the lab coat on, just accept the lab coat is like the, the finishing piece mm -hmm. and just move on with your life. Um, as long as, you know, that actually works for them. Mm -hmm. But it, because I've also seen it at banks. Yeah. Um, there, there used to be a time in which in order to work in a bank 
as a teller, you typically had to be a woman. Like, you weren't getting hired as a man. Uh, and I say this from my experience in Princeton, West Virginia. Mm -hmm. They didn't hire, like, the bank that I had as a kid, my first little savings account. Um, all of those women, all of them were women. Mm -hmm. um, if you dealt with a man, you were usually dealing with high finance or loans or mm -hmm. management. Um, all the tellers were women. All of them wore suits and they were skirted. All of them wore heels. All of them had makeup. Right. They were dressed to look like every bank teller looked like every bank teller at every bank you went. Mm -hmm. And I noticed there were some banks through like that was 80s, 90s, like parts of my life I've been alive or parts of the time I've been alive for. Right. And then it's somewhere in the 2000s, a lot of banks started relaxing that a little mm -hmm. and other banks held it. Right. And I noticed that the banks that relaxed it ended up being a lot more comfortable to go into. Uh-huh. Like you felt like you like there was less of that authority. Mm -hmm. Like they were still well dressed and well groomed. They didn't, you know look irresponsible like you know we just opened a nut house and this is what fell out right um you know we hired anyone but they were more friendly and they acted more friendly mm -hmm. because they were more comfortable they weren't sitting there all you know prim and proper uh-huh um because that is kind of the problem with having to wear i'm sure i cannot imagine haven't done it but I can assume for women that that's got to be a big part of wearing structured suits is you can't move in that. See, I disagree on the can't move part. Okay. But Brenda brings up a good point, and then we've got a question to take. Hmm. Okay. Well, are we back a little bit on the question? Oh, there we go. Found it. But okay. read Brenda's thing first. Okay. Let me find Brenda's thing. Um, to work back in mom's day, you were, you went to the interview in a dress, heels, hose, gloves, hair, and makeup done, tasteful jewelry or accessories, or you automatically failed the interview. Now I can understand that. And let me point out that as late as, uh, 2003, I actually had a professor in college say that she couldn't understand some of the women in the IT program who kept showing up to class the way they did and talking about going on interviews that how dare they think they were going to get a job without wearing a skirt, mm -hmm. heel, hose, and at least a blazer. Mm -hmm. And I just, like, my brain exploded. Mm -hmm. I'm just sitting here going, like, this is IT. Mm -hmm. Like, you're talking about the women in this program having to, to dress like, you know, it's the 1950s, whereas most of the guys in this program were lucky they're wearing pants. Yeah, but then you saw the reactionary section of that in um, modern business when you were at PCA, P, PR, PRC. PRC. Yeah. Um. I'm sorry, back up. I missed the first part of that. 
the reason that you know you got tired of buying expensive dress pants, the oh, reason yeah. your coworker, um, well, and then, used to work. Well, and I actually had a boss that actually made the comment one day after she broke her ankle. We were all like, "Why are you running around?" Like she was still trying to wear heels with uh -huh. a broken ankle. Uh huh. Um, and she was flat out told that she had been told when she started there, she came in one day wearing to a business meeting, wearing pants and flats. And she was told that if she ever dressed like that again, she'd be fired. Mm -hmm. And I'm just sitting there like, what a world. Mm -hmm. Like, and, Mary and the fact that it's still, well, the fact that that many years on, it was still affecting her. Mm -hmm. She was scared to death with a broken ankle to wear flats and, and you know, deal with it. Mm -hmm. um, that just freaked me out. I, I was like, good God. Like, I get dressing up for an interview, I do, but I think there's limits. Yeah. Like, granted, I had one bank that they took casual a little too casual. Like mm -hmm. one woman scared me. Mm -hmm. I'm sorry. If I walk in a bank and they look like they've just came off of a soccer field game, mm -hmm. we're closing our account. Um, not sure on NC. Are we talking about the company I work for? And yes, that was North Carolina and UNCG on the college in which the professor said that. Yep, it was the college. Yeah. Okay. Wasn't sure where the question came in, but yeah, that was UNCG. That was a professor I had. She was, and don't get me wrong, she was an amazing professor, but wow. She she was a very interesting woman. Yeah. I just wanted to meet her husband. I heard so many quote-unquote horror stories about her husband. I just really wanted to meet the man. Um, because apparently her and her husband were polar opposites. My professor was an atheist IT professor who was stuck in like 50s mentality for you know, very conservative and outright, you know, declared herself as a Republican. Her husband was supposed to be the polar opposite. He was a liberal Democrat uh, church minister. So she was technically a church wife that never went to church. She was a pastor's wife that refused to go to church or basically went, sat on the pew, and that's all she did. Mm -hmm. She showed up on Sunday. That was it. Her total commitment was, <laughs> I will show up on Sunday. Mm -hmm. um, but no, she was fun. She was a trip. She was a great professor. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, some of her personal ideology was like, Ooh. <laughs> okay. Alrighty then. But okay, getting back to the question we were going into. Sorry, we got a little, little distracted there. Um, and now I'm having to scroll up. All right. So Devin asks, um, so March 16th, 78, will my cancer come back? Uh, 
This has nothing. Okay. All right. Give me a second. We'll see if the tarot does better. Because they were talking about money. Um, and money increases. That had nothing to do with your question. Sometimes that happens with the tarot. Alrighty. That's a weird moment. No, not really. Sometimes the tarot has something to say more. Okay. Than what, you know, you're asking about or they want to talk about something else. Devin, no. Looking at the cards, it I would say no, it doesn't come back. First, we have the Nine of Wands, which is you surrendering and getting a red of crap you don't need. Then we have the Eight of Pentacle, the Eight of Swords here saying you need to watch putting boundaries so much on yourself. And then your final outcome is the Knight of Wands, which is the search for education and um, growth. Um, so this is probably looking at either training or education. There's no talk of health problems here. Um, so looking at it, I would say that, no, it doesn't come back. But I would say that you may change career fields over the next year and a half. And apparently there's a lot of financial change for the better there. Um that wasn't, and I know that wasn't your question. Because that's what it shot off the gate with. Alrighty. Alrighty. <clears throat> Chris, if you have a question, you need to put your name, birthday, um, not your name, your birth date and your direct question. I don't do just general readings. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. And then Lamont, it's kind of the same thing. Um, cause Lamont's question or sort of question was, what do you know about the future itself besides on a person in general? Um, we're not ignoring you. It's just, it took a minute to get to you. Yeah. Um, because we derailed a little, we but yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know. Would that be a direct enough question? I mean, granted that is technically a general reading like that's super general yeah um like, notice the scrolly at the bottom yeah um and that's just because that'll end up taking up like 30 minutes of the show yeah <laughs> uh, all right go for cross all right um i'm gonna assume december 21st of 85 and is there any family around me? I've had several family die. I'm going to say yes. I don't feel like they're there constantly, though. It's not like you have to be watched after that heavily or that much. I feel like they come in and out normally between three your time and sunrise um and visit i also feel like they've appeared up in dreams i feel like that the more recent ones not so much it takes about 60 days for them to figure out how to work on work that you know over there versus over here thing um and what i'm looking at i know that they're appearing more in the th at their age of 30 is a dark-haired, medium-hive woman that would have been very powerful in her personality is kind of the, you know, what I call the matriarch on that side that kind of keeps a hand on everybody and helps them over. Um, and I feel like 
she also makes sure that people stay connected. Okay. okay. And Lamont, again, um, in, in case we missed that one a little bit, um, if you can ask a more specific question, because yeah. again, you're asking for like a 30 minute reading there. That's all I want to say. Right. Um, okay. And uh, Devon, uh, March 1678, is my aunt Connie watching over me? Yeah, but she's more worried about the female um, that's younger than you that's going through a lot of growth right now and, you know, is, would be in this lifetime, like, you're coming over and staying at my house till you get your crap together. She's more keeping an eye on her. Okay. And Chris puts in that was Anne. Okay. Yeah. So he connected to who that was. Cool. All right. So another news. Um, there's a lot of kind of eh, stuff going on around, but we did finally, I believe, Kim Davis has finally been put to rest after five years. Well, at least her Supreme Court battle has been rejected. Uh huh. So there's at least that. So lawsuits can proceed against her. Yeah. Woohoo! And against any government official. All right, we've got some more questions. Let's hit those. All right. So, Emily, uh, January 1st of 82. My mother has been dealing with some troublesome neighbors who have been trying to force the creation of an HOA in her neighborhood. Will the neighbors give up after her recent thwarting of their attempt, or will there be more trouble ahead? Okay, can I just point out, that's a little weird when neighborhoods without an HOA want to create an HOA, or was the... I'm sorry, that's just me personally going, was there originally supposed to be an HOA and like the neighborhood just kind of let it die? Mm -hmm. No. Um, and what Emily, I'm going to suggest her do is I believe there's an original covenant for that area um, that was formed maybe way before the houses on the hill was formed. I think that she needs to get that document because I don't think that they can form an HOA because there's already something else there. Okay. Okay. Um, but no, it looks like the neighborhood's trying to get all fancy. Ain't going to happen. Well, and sometimes that can happen, though. I mean, technically, if there's a new subdevelopment that comes through and a majority owner of the property in, an, in a subdivision... Uh-huh. I have seen that happen. It right. can happen. Um, is it can become an HOA subdivision that she's not technically part of. Right. But then she's going to struggle with the HOA trying to impose crap on her. Right. And the, the having to fight that legally. Yeah. The problem is the houses have already been built. They're already part of a covenant. Um that nobody it it's like ours the day to her our house is part of a subdivision mm -hmm. was born back in the 30s there mm -hmm. is no hoa included in that covenant of house right um, that land we couldn't go in and start an hoa because believe me we would have if that was there oh okay 
All right. I see what happened is the, they formed a corporation. Right. Um, okay. Got it. Um, so, yeah. But no, there actually you can, if you, there are ways to do it. And it has happened to people that um, end up with a house that's in a subdivision that gets majority owned by a, a, like a land development corporation. It can get weird for like those little outlier residents. Um, there's one in Princeton Hill, uh, in Princeton, um, oh, Quell Valley. Um, has a few houses like that. Right. That the houses were built before Quell Valley, the subdivision, was built. Um, they're not technically part of the HOA, and they end up in a constant battle. Mm -hmm. um, those uh, few remaining homeowners do, um, because the HOA wants to charge them massively because the road beyond a certain point is considered HOA property and the HOA is responsible for it. Right. But, um, but it, yeah, it gets a little nuts. Go back and have your mom get the corporation paperwork out, um, even though it was dissolved. Um, I believe there is something there either in the dissolving paperwork or in the starting paperwork that started all that that blocks anything else from going in there. Like that's her ace and hole. Cause I feel like that the current neighbors don't have that paperwork and it was not included in the, in the deed. Okay. And I'm going to jump a little out of order just because we have different stuff coming in. So let's go with Lamont real quick. Mm -hmm. um, March 6th of 1990. Um, this has nothing to do with what I asked before, but how do my love relationships look like? All right, Lamont, let's take a look here. Um, also add on, I'm trying to leave someone, but they won't let them. All right. And sorry, Chris, I know that technically came after yours, but yours is a little bit longer and more involved. All right. All right. Right now, you're looking at everything you don't have. You do have a new opportunity coming. I would say that's within about six weeks to a month. And it does start you into a new path, Lamont. So I would say that you will end up leaving this person um, and starting something new. And when I say new and the full pops up, it's brand new. You don't know who this person is yet. They've not entered your life. I would look for someone that is talking a lot to you because what I see is their mouth moving constantly. Okay. And going back to Chris real quick. Uh -huh. um, so his dad died in 88, granddad in 94, grandmother in 2012. Um, an uncle Steve in 2017 and 2020. Uh-huh. Um, not sure if John is an uncle or not. Um, so there's been a lot of death there. Um, 
that's a little more than six months. Um, and my grandmother, uh, he also says, my grandmother brought me up, but I have been hoping for a reading from her so much. But my mom had recently got back in touch with me after cheating me out of $30,000. And I don't, just don't know how to have anything to do with uh, my mom again. So I'm going to assume that part of that question is like, where, where is the relationship with mom headed? Okay. Sorry, I'm creating questions. <laughs> Just because there's a lot in that involved right. comment wise. Um, so like, where's the relationship with mom headed? And then also any insight on like, the grandmother situation like keeps hoping to uh i, I think i'm gonna give you what i get when i start tapping into that energy is i am too busy right now so either one of three things is going on when energy tells me i'm too busy right now one they wouldn't have come to a reading to begin with so they don't want to talk to me two there's a family situation that they're more focused on and they're like why aren't you here dealing with this why are we talking um and then three is and this is what i feel is more prevalent is they are already helping and being busy with a larger group of family the person that taught that was a that i was able to connect with earlier that you identified as ann I feel she's more of the one that makes sure everything is going good. When I pull for like the grandfather and the uncles and stuff like that, I get that they are more focused on what you're doing career-wise because I'm seeing tools. And that's probably where you get more influence or push from them. Well, I feel like they are always watching over you and always with you when you need them. Um... <laughs> The grandmother, I don't think, is going to probably pop up until whoever the... Grandchild, great-grandchild, that is having a lot of issues. Okay. okay, so the follow-on was, um, I think it's just a case of some families split up and only bother about those closest to them. Right. Okay, um, and I'm not sure if he's talking about what you were just talking about or if he's adding on to the mom situation. Right. Because uh, that's still hanging there. Right. Now, when we look at the, you and mom, man, I get told in the back of my head she's not your mother i done the job but that's very kind of like mm -mm, don't be giving her that title i think that you're going to have to work on building off of what you have in common and only what you have in common um and i don't think it'll be close of course i don't think that it was close to begin with Okay. 
Alrighty. Okay. And then Emily has come back with, in response to their multiple pro HOA flyers, my mom sent a flyer to the neighborhood listing her reasons against forming an HOA, including stating that the corp had been dissolved and that the neighborhood responded by pulling all the flyers they could out of mailboxes and tossing the crumpled sheets onto her lawn. You see, and that's where your mom needs to get a basket of those muffins that she makes. A large one. And go mm -hmm. house to house and talk to her neighbors. Well, there's that. Um, but no, I mean, like the the HOA situation is a rough one for a lot of people, though. Yeah, homeowners associations. I won't buy a house in that neighborhood. Property values normally go down. Well, and it also ends up creating a little fiefdom. Mm -hmm. And can end up like a good HOA. Not mm -hmm. that there's many people who believe there's such a thing, and I'm kind of in that category. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, a good HOA, or let's call it the, the perfect ideal HOA, mm -hmm. is only meant to, to help like people live together with less issues. That's the ideal. That's the ideal. This is, you know, like... Mm -hmm keeping community standards and holding a line is the ideal. Unfortunately, what happens is it ends up being a power trip. Wow. And it never works well. Mm -hmm. You always end up with like a community that just evolves into a bunch of angry old, old people yelling at each other. Right. Um, sorry. I'm very against anybody that wants to tell me what to do with my property. If I want to paint my house purple and put on a yellow roof mm -hmm. and have glittered cars in my driveway, that's my business. I paid my property. Right. HOA I've never seen. We used to have one for the townhouse. There was one for another house in Ohio. Useless. Other than trying to dictate to fit into their cookie bread pot. Well, the, the cookie cutter mold. Yeah. and But there are people who want to live in a cookie cutter mold neighborhood. Mm -hmm. They want every house to look the same. They want to be part of this fixed suburban ideal. And uh -huh. an HOA will do that. And it's appealing to them. Uh -huh. um, the, pardon? They're great for condos. That's the only place they're great for. Oh, and that's more so because of the shared communal communal services like elevators and all the rest. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, no, it can, it can get ugly. Yeah. Um, like I, I have big problems with HOAs. Um, again, I'm one, I'm a poor candidate for an HOA neighborhood, like not going to make me happy. Mm -hmm. um, I'm going to end up being the, the you know, wrench in it. Mm -hmm. Um, but more importantly, it's also one of those things I've seen HOA neighborhoods mm -hmm. and the way people can often end up afterwards Yeah, is that, and also the fact that with the unpredictability of life, um, I think one of the worst things that I ever saw was an HOA that effectively evicted, um, a set of grandparents because their, ch I believe it was their children died and they had to raise their granddaughter. Mm -hmm. And they evicted them because it was a no children neighborhood. Uh-huh. So in addition to losing their kids mm -hmm. in a horrible accident, 
and you know now becoming parents again they suddenly were homeless because they couldn't sell it right um but yeah it, it's an ugly situation but moving back to chris is that where we're moving back to uh no okay go up okay because um, we just finished chris okay um Sorry, we got a lot of comments tonight. It's taking a minute. Yeah. <clears throat> oh, Mary has a question. Okay. Sorry, Mary. I did see that and I totally lost track. Okay. Um, start with Terry and work your way down. Oh, did I miss the Terry? Oh, there is a trying to As get there. Visible, we've just got a lot flying in at the same time. Yeah, and okay, so found Terry. Uh, okay. Does Mark still? Uh, well, Terry three thirteen fifty seven. Does Mark still love me? Yes, very much so. Um, he's still trying to figure out what to do and how to deal with things because I feel like everything that he's tried to do is kind of not being in a good plan, and I feel like you're going to have to have strength as you balance out your temperaments. He's a different type of guy than you are used to, so he's not gonna act normal. He hasn't acted normal since the beginning of this relationship. Okay. All right, now we've got Mary's question, correct? I can go ahead and read it, it's... Yeah, let's take that. Okay, um, so Mary, 11-28-57, I have a question. Why is my fourth great grandfather, ABW, taking an interest in me? You're either getting to move into a phase of life that he was most connected with you, or you're on his list. Because I feel like he used to have a list of people that he would just, you know, focus on this one, then move to this one, then move to this one. Very much a one track type of man I see him with a book. Um, kind of like checking people off. Okay. Okay. Um, and then we have Kathy. Okay. Um, all right. Kathy, 72862. Is Stephen going to Dallas while I'm there? He states he wants to. Take a look. All right. I feel that this is going to be a year, of course, going to Dallas to deal with things. I know you're thinking it's going to be a bad trip. I feel like that it'll be an okay trip. There'll be some bonding time going on there. And then some judgment calls made. I do feel Steven is in Dallas. Um, I feel like he's part of the bonding time. Okay. Um, and Kathy also says, sorry about the political statement I made. And I went back and looked and that was that Trump lost her vote today mm -hmm. over his, uh, end of negotiations on the stimulus package. Wow. And that like, I don't even consider that necessarily a political statement as much as, yeah, that's a hard reality. That's where we're at right now. Mm -hmm. um, that's what's basically occurred is that negotiation has e ended in favor of getting his Supreme Court pick. 
mm -hmm. um, trying to ram her through and into the sea. Mm -hmm. um, and I think right now, and especially given his experience of COVID-19, mm -hmm. one would have assumed this might have become a more, you know, hit home issue for him. Mm -hmm. um, though, then again, when you're privately flown to Walter Reed within minutes and have an entire medical team devoted to keeping you alive and the limitless drugs, well, and the limitless bounds of medical science available to you without having to negotiate with an insurance carrier, mm -hmm. that you may not have actually had the full ability to have that hit home for you. Right. And, I, you know, this is also why the Joint Chiefs are now quarantining. This is why we are still, I think the last count we were at was 12 infections. I'm sorry. I'm making a strange face for the topic under consideration. But Mary had commented that um, uh, she has his ledger. And it just struck with me. I was like, ah, yeah, makes sense. Yeah. Um, so, okay. Yes. Uh, a very business oriented human being. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah. Yeah. Very cool. Um, He's working with an agenda. Uh -huh. And that's, that's across okay. the board here. Um, I think we're seeing a lot of agendas. I think we're seeing a lot of governmental problems that are about to be created if not already created please review your if you're voting absentee please review your state guidelines we just had north carolina south carolina change their guidelines back to a different set of guidelines um we are at a tumultuous time again we have been in a tumultuous time for the past four years. I am not making a prediction on the elections. Um, I have decided that it is not good ever to make predictions on elections. And we've got COVID and we've got the, you know, COVID is takes over a lot of news. Um, that's why we kind of covered some lighter topics tonight. Um, because there's been a lot of them that has just been like, uh, you know, we get exhausted. Well, and then on a personal note, we're also have been a little exhausted in our personal life. Uh -huh. um, of course, we've mentioned the road construction that has also, yeah, yeah, that's been fun the last couple of weeks. Yeah. Um, and when I say fun, I don't mean it. Right. Um, but I mean, I think we. I think everyone's kind of hitting that point right now is that we're all kind of stressed out. Mm -hmm. um, and and I, I, constant news feed. I really, really do. I think it's well, part of the continual news feed um, that we're getting that is the same information, mm -hmm. um, which is government is off its rails. It has been off its rails. Two full moons this month and an election four days later, honey. Well, you know, um, though my only and maybe inappropriate, but my only comment that I've been able to enjoy was Stephen Miller, 
a you know the White House aide has been diagnosed with COVID nineteen, and all I can think to say to that is womp womp. And if anyone gets that reference, then you know why that's funny. Right. Um, and it's funny in a not funny way. I don't think um, they it correctly, nor do I think we're getting proper information. Yeah. Yeah. Well, this is true. Um, yeah. But yeah. Yeah. Two full months in a Mercury retrograde. Isn't it fun? Um, so. Yeah. And it's Samhain, which means the veil is thinner, which means that a lot of people are getting contact from their crossover loved ones. The veil is much more thinner. Um, this is normal, and people also tend to get a nota, you know, start noticing paranormal activity in their house. Do yourself mm -hmm. a favor and clean your house before you call me. It'll save us all time. Mm-hmm. Well, and I do have to say, and good news is we are supposed to start resuming home delivery of mail tomorrow yeah. instead of postal general delivery and living in the, you know, 1800s that we have been. Right. Um, so, yay. Yeah. <laughs> like, one positive thing. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm, I'm truly, honestly excited about having normal mail delivery again. Mm -hmm. Like, you don't even know. Um, just cause I was literally to a point, I'm like, screw it. We're getting a postal box. I'm just done. I'm done. Well, and um, I've thought about doing that, but it's a pain. Well, a postal box, at least we can go at eight o'clock at night. Oh, that's so sad. Um, so Emily's next door neighbor just had a mental breakdown today. Yeah. She was circling her house, screaming at the top of her lungs, random words and curses to God, Satan, and any other deity she could think of. So loud and disturbing that someone called the police. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Oh, and it's not congratulations to Oak Hill's post office. Um, that's actually this project has finally gotten to a point that the road is considered passable for our postal service. Like, get, get, let stop, breathe, take a moment with that information. The United States Postal Service declared our road during this project so bad. Remember, there are rural routes. There are horrible rural routes all throughout West Virginia and the United States and Ohio especially. There are horrible horrible roads that our postal carriers go across every single day, many of them in personal vehicles. Our route was too hazardous. The road we live on, the project was has been so bad, they refused to deliver. Process that in its entirety. We have finally gotten to a point that it is decent enough mm -hmm. for mail delivery to resume. Right. I'm just underlining. Mm -hmm. But um, back to Emily's neighbor, that's still horrible. Um, and there are a lot of people that I think that are definitely just <sighs> a lot. Like this year has been a lot for a lot of people and it has taxed a lot of their connection to others and to health services and just even I've had my moments that for 2020, 
I don't think anyone feeling like this can't be reality is necessarily having a mental problem right now because honestly, the world right now is hard to look at and not think that this has to be a dream. This has to be a nightmare, but that this cannot be reality. Wow. I, like that, I think at this point, the, the surrealness of it mm-hmm. um, is hitting everyone and it's hitting them differently. Um, almost to the effect of a war. Oh, I you see. And that's just it. I think that it is a war. I think it is a war on senses. I think it is a war on our mentality. <sighs> I think it's a war on a lot of things. I think yes, that we but, have to take mental breaks. Mm-hmm. But I will point out, this is the United States. Don't call it a war on anything. It'll end up worse. You know, like the war on drugs, the war on poverty, the war on... <laughs> yeah, but this has been a very much a shifting universe. It's very bad, very hard. Um for those that already have mental illness that are fighting with it. It's very hard for those who um, don't have it. I mean, because, you know, or have other problems that attach and then add into it. Here's an example. Chronic illness, chronic pain, chronic fatigue, RA. You have those people out there that aren't going out, haven't gone out for months only go out for certain things so they've lo- they've lost their community they then you have the other side of this where you have people that do not follow rules can't navigate a grocery store so i worry about them driving um and act like this is no big thing when this is a big thing i think we're at two hundred thousand plus deaths in the united states 8.1 million the World Health Organization should one in ten humans on this planet now have COVID nineteen. Yes. Well, and to <laughs> look at Emily and Mary's comments real quick, um, we've uh, Emily's pointing out that they've kind of watched this happen to her all across the summer, the neighbor, um, and yeah. There's, I'm sure there have been a lot of people in the same boat um, that are watching friends and family and neighbors start to have more and more issues. Right. Um, And it doesn't, you know, and I know how painful that can be, um, even like, especially on like a one-on-one level um where i was with my grandmother and watching that deterioration occur and that was over years um this rapidly it is really hard to watch mm-hmm. and it also can make you feel very upset and angry and powerless and like nothing you're doing is helping those aren't true statements right um so i just want to always like point that out to people is if you're not going out and trying to intentionally make their life worse, then you're helping. Right. So, it, you know what I mean? Is that sometimes it's not about preventing it. It It's more so sometimes it's just buying someone an extra couple of days. Mm-hmm. Um, so- or just having, giving them something in that 
that even though this was a total was a breakdown, mm-hmm. um, that you know there was still you know it could have been worse. Right, and you're right, Emily, about talking about news and media and them framing it as worse as possible or as scary as possible, because mm-hmm. um, it boots their watching. I mean, that's why Fox News is banned in this house. We don't view it at all. Um, we tend to view BBC. We tend to view uh, German Broadcasting Network. Both of those tend to be a little bit more less sensational, more focused. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and it's because we're, I'm tired of it. I am tired of hearing repetitive, constant, the same story every 15 minutes that is already proven by other networks to be the wrong story yeah all right mika g's got a question okay um before we get to that i did want to go back to the mary comment that i was going to respond to a minute ago and yes it is very much like a science fiction film um the writers that were apparently hired were um uh george R. R. martin uh, Stephen Moffat and um, oh God, her last name went out of my head. Um, uh, Margaret Atwood uh, from The Handmaid's Tale. Um, I think are basically who are working on this script, mm-hmm. and well, they're high on mescaline. Um, <laughs> like yeah. Well, so, I'll, but yeah, I'll work on to that in a minute. Okay. Take Mika G's question. Okay, Mika two twenty eighty two. How do I stay friends with my guy friend and control my uh, fanny flutters and butterflies for him? I tend to fall in love easily, and I hate that. Well, first you stay friends. You stay in that range of just friends. You ain't kissing on him. You ain't hugging on him. You ain't grabbing his ass. You ain't going pinchy-pinchy. You ain't complimenting him unless he really does look good. And you let him lead the friendship. Um, There's a lot of people that are attractive and find attractive. That you just go, okay, you're cute. But we're not going there. And keep it in your mind, we're not going there. We're going to be friends. And that is it. You know. I don't know. I always work that differently with someone that I wasn't sure if I could be non-sexual friends with. Mm -hmm. I've always started at like, just start at the beginning. Like, what would this look like? Mm -hmm. Like, if I go ahead and sleep with this person and what, like, what would happen next? Mm -hmm. Like, just let it be a possibility. Mm -hmm. But also think it through, like, where is that going to lead? Mm-hmm. And is that a place I want to be? Yeah. Like, you know, if this were to occur, where is it going to end? And usually that's enough for me to go, okay, is like that sexual activity worth losing this stuff? Yeah. And usually that's enough to be like, yeah, okay, you're a brother. <laughs> like, you're a friend. Mm-hmm. That's it. That's... And that's yeah. another good mindset sometimes. Make them a family member. Adopt them as a family member. That way your head doesn't go there. Yeah. All right. 
So, and then your response to this is a science fiction double feature. Well, it's just something I noticed. Brad and, and Janet kill the creature. Sorry. Well, no. Uh, <laughs> this is something I noticed, and I really didn't notice it until last night. And that is our TV programs. Before COVID, we had The Walking Dead. Look at our big hits. Um, you know, we had all these zombie apocalypse and plague movies, and oh god, what is that? <coughs> Where's the Red Queen come from? Depends upon which Red Queen you're talking about. The computer. Oh, the Red Queen computer is uh, tw oh, 28 days. It's a whole movie series. You actually buy the DVDs for. I have to buy the video games for the Invisible Assistant. Or maybe I'm wrong. I'm having a moment. I know it's Umbrella Corp is what you're talking about yeah. in the computer system for it. Um, I thought it was 28 days. Um, but, 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 no, it's not 28 days. No, 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 no. Resident no. Evil. Thank you, Emily. Thank you. Sorry. I don't know where my head went. Well, wow, and, I, and it didn't hit me till last night. You were watching. Um, what were you watching last night? It was after you finished Evil. Oh, I started three percent. Yeah. 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 And I'm like, okay, so now they've w switched from pandemic to you know, this utopia, dystopia situation. And we've seen it with Hunter Games. It's the same theory movie. This is the reason I can't watch TV is because it's like, oh, I know this plot line. Well, and that happens a lot. Like, there are some common themes, but sometimes it's interesting to see how they play out. Uh-huh. I mean, because you could say the same thing about The Handmaid's Tale, is that it's, it's creating this dystopian environment. Uh-huh. Um, but it also can be very different depending upon like how they got there, what happened, how, you know, what the story is right. and what they're doing in the story. But now I do want to real quick, just comment on what, uh, Emily said is 2020 actually sounds like a bad amateur writer trying to give his new thriller novel pitch to a slightly annoyed publishing agent who is stuck at the table until his coffee finishes brewing in the conver uh, uh, in the convention hotel lobby. Too many plot twists, too many storylines that go nowhere, and so many climax points that it gets boring. Mm -hmm. or, or you could also say that it sounds a shit ton like Stephen King's Under the Dome. Hey, I want to finish watching that before you ruin it for me because I actually <laughs> like that show. Well, I'm just, but I mean, Stephen King, somewhere, some, someone had to pitch that novel. Yeah. Someone had to pitch that as a series to someone. Mm -hmm. And you want to talk about twist turns, climax points, like under the dome is all over the place. And I think you're following something like 20 some main characters. Mm-hmm. And it is, it, it's mentally taxing. You want to talk about, like you were talking about Sabrina the other night, you can't miss a moment of it because every time you have missed even a second, you have ended up missing a major like point, like you don't find out for 20 some episodes. 
And you're like, wait, when did that happen? And it's like, oh, well, apparently I went to the bathroom for four seconds and, you know, right. didn't hear that one. Right. But again, I have very limited television watching ability because, unfortunately, I get a plot line real fast. I'm like, oh, this is like that. And I'm done. Mm-hmm. Um, Sabrina has actually entertained me here lately. Um, but point being is, is I'm in that debate of whether Access Hollywood or Hollywood in general is predicting things we're going to go through, mm-hmm. or if we are seeing those things and then getting stuck in them and then watching them play out. And either way, can someone turn the fucking channel? Well, sometimes I I think it is, like, I think some things, like, because there keeps being that reference to the Simpsons predicting 2020 or predicting the future. I don't know that it's necessarily that it's a prediction as much as some things have, like, a logical progression. Mm Mm-hmm. That if you're sitting there looking at this and it's like, well, then, okay, where do we go from here? Where does the world go from this point? And I think there are some people that are just more in tune with that, mm-hmm. that are a little more able to like follow the logical path. Right. That, like, if this, then that. And in right. let, well, and there's also art imitates life, which imitates art that, yeah, and, that becomes Inception. Um, but that's a whole different point. Um, but it is the same point. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, it, I think there is a lot of that that occurs. That I, Again, you take Margaret, Margaret Atwood and The Handmaid's Tale. And I know I keep bringing that up. But that's also because at one point, you know, she was basically told her story could never happen. Mm-hmm. That, like, how do you create this fantastical, you know, dystopian world? And she's like, it's not that hard. Mm-hmm. Like, you tweak history just a smidge, mm-hmm. and this could actually be what happened. Mm-hmm. Like, you don't have to push the needle too far at a few points. Mm-hmm. And this is where the sluice is through. Mm-hmm. So, and that often can be the basis of a lot of books is it's just history with a little twist. Uh And, you know, that that moment of twist can set off a chain reaction. Right. Because most things are chain reactions. Right. This occurs, so that occurs. So this becomes a problem, so that doesn't happen, so this other thing occurs. Uh Mm-hmm. Well... With that, there is going to be some. I do want you guys to start doing some mental checks. I really recommend right now journaling, and you think that this is unimportant. However, it will be important. Look at some of the journals we have from over history. Your mm-hmm. great grandchildren will find this important because guess what? They will learn this in school. And well, you who know, knows? They may be watching clips from our show. <laughs> Hi, future. Hi, future. Um, so, right. Um, that was point one. It was take time for mental health. Take care of yourselves. 
Now, here is a broadcasting note. There may not be a Mountain Bears this Friday. We are not sure yet whether there will be one because I'm getting some lovely dental work done. We're not sure how I'm going to deal with it because we never know how my face responds to bald men putting their hands on it. Yeah, that's why he's being sedated. Um, yeah. So, yes. Um, but no. And we're actually really fortunate we got through the show tonight. I was kind of... Un like, we were talking before the show, and I wasn't even sure if we were going to be able to do a full show tonight. Because right. you're, you're having a lot of pain. No, I am, but I'm good. Okay. Neop this lovely tube of white stuff is amazing and wonderful, and it's off-brand. It's actually put out by um, Dollar General. It's called yeah. Maximum Tooth Relief. This mm -hmm. makes Ambosol look like baby powder. Yep. Well, it's uh, it should be generic Origel. It is generic Origel. Yeah. It's better than Origel. Oh yeah. Well, see the and that always struck me is you get good uh, good work out of Origel. I get nothing out of Origel, but Ambosol does me wonders, and you're like rinse with soap and water. Like, it, <laughs> right. nothing. Um, but no, I don't get normally anything out of Origel anymore. It's or the generic stuff that I'm getting stuff relief out of. Yeah, backwards. Yeah. Um, you're getting results out of Origel, not Ambisol. But yeah. No, I'm getting results out of generic. Oh, okay. I'm not sorry. name brand. Because we have yeah. name brand, both Orosol and Ambosol, and they ain't touching anything. Well, because that, that means I bought it. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I've, like, if I've got a tooth problem, and let me tell you, that's rare. I've been fortunate. I'm not, like, a humble brag. Well, basically, I'm humble bragging there. I've been fortunate. I don't have that many tooth issues, but I'm telling you now, I will pay top dollar for Ambosol. Mm -hmm. Every time I buy the generic of Ambisol, it's like, uh-uh. Right. Like, that's cute. Right. Actually, Emily, um, I want to message with you in a little bit because I do want to talk about your appearance um, and see if we can't work something a little different than what we had planned out. Um, and it may work better for you, too. Okay. All right, guys. So we're going to go ahead and end the show tonight. We will be back either Friday or Tuesday. Um, we will post if we are not having a show that night, um, so that you guys know that, you know, you can go watch, you know, NBC or something. Mm -hmm. Um, otherwise we will be back and we will be working with things. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Okay. No, we got a Vanna. I know. Let me Vanna. I have to Vanna. There you go. No one knows what to do with me if I don't Vanna. So, of course, we want to thank our Patreon sponsors, and those are Beverly Walker, Mika G, Mary Winfield, uh, the Crystal Lotus Shop at 89 Old Main Plaza, and I'm double-checking as it comes back, Pat. Oh, Brenda Bryant. Why do I... I knew I was missing someone. Yeah. Um, so, yes, we want to thank you for your sponsorship. If you're interested in supporting the show or finding out more about us, please visit pcspnetwork.com where you can learn more about the show and see some content and you can also find links to become a Patreon sponsor. And Shannon, I want to just one with Brandy. It always works better for teething. 
Oh, do what now? Oh. Shannon said, speaking of Ambisol, when her kids were teething, the doctors <laughs> got the liquid Ambisol. No, you take brandy, rub it on their gums, they'll go to sleep for six hours. Oh. That's okay. I actually had to inform someone that was not you put a shot of whiskey in their bottle. No, that's if they, you do that if they've got colic. <laughs> God. No, we do not give children alcohol, period, at all. Yeah, you do. No. You give children alcohol so that when they grow up, they know what the taste is like and it isn't no big thing. It. No. Yes. Bad. Good Lord. All right, guys. Good night. We'll schedule that for Friday. <laughs> Good night.